Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Jesus coming to this earth as a man. Jesus being mocked, beaten. Jesus then being hung on a cross for hours. Jesus dying and laying in a grave for days. Then Jesus raising from the dead, and even 30 days, 40 days later, ascending to heaven wasn't enough. Jesus dying our death, your death, being whipped, ridiculed, beaten, hung on a cross, laid in a tomb for days, and raising from the dead, and later ascending into heaven was not enough. And God knew it. Now, it was 100% enough for our salvation. Jesus dying, his death, our death, allows us to be saved. But when it comes to the life on this earth, walking out our Christian faith, it was not enough. And God knew it. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you guys want to open your Bibles with me, I'm going to be in John chapter 20. Let me give you a little background story about how the disciples went from this fear to faith. See, Jesus has died. He's been laid in the tomb now for three days and Mary has gone looking for him to visit him. And when she gets there, he's not there. Now, this is a pretty big deal because as far as everyone knew at that time, no one has ever raised from the dead. So it's kind of creepy. (laughs) So she runs into Jesus as she's walking around, looking for him, and sees that he is alive. Her Savior has risen again, and she's excited because she knew this is what's going to happen. And so she runs to the disciples, to the disciples, that Jesus, just as he said he was going to do, has died and come back to life. He has risen from the dead. And this is where we are, 20 verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week... When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. These are the same people who had been with Jesus for three years, watching him do miracle after miracle, watching him speak to them with love through parables and giving them guidance and directions as their Savior, as their Lord. And now he's been hung on a cross, laid to dead. And where are they? It said they were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. They were afraid. They'd spent all this time with them and they've got the doors locked. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It hasn't been good enough yet. And Jesus said, peace be with you. After this, he said, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed that they had seen the Lord. They were excited. They're like, all right, he did it. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. And it's happened. This is great. But it's still, friends, wasn't good enough. We see if you go a little further ahead to verse 26. A week later, this is a week after Jesus has already come back from the dead. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, 
Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. A week later, the doors were still locked. They were still behind closed doors. Jesus going to the cross, raising from the dead, wasn't enough to get the disciples out from the closed doors. That, my friends, was the job of the Holy Spirit. So where does this come from? I'll show you a little uh, fun analogy with these chairs. So if you go back to the beginning, there was God and there was man. He created them, Adam, Eve, and God. And they hung out. They like walked and talked about their day and probably shared funny stories about why we named the platypus the platypus because it's just weird. <laughs> they, they were together. They walked the same dirt, the same earth together and enjoyed one another. And then man had choice and we sinned. We separated ourselves from God. And we had to leave the Garden of Eden. Now, this hurt God deeply because he made us in his image. He wants to be with us so bad. So then you see throughout the history of the Old Testament and on into the New, how God continually comes back to his people and shows up. You see it with Abraham visiting him, speaking to him with Elijah, with Moses, and then even with Moses coming to him and saying, man, I just want to be with you guys so bad, I'm going to come down and be in a, in a box, in a tabernacle. We put God in a box, and we carried him around with us. But still, it wasn't good enough for him. It wasn't good enough. So now he's in a temple, and we just have a sheet, a curtain between us. God wants to be with us so bad. He just wanted to be back the way he was. And we kept messing up, and he kept saying, ah, oh, I just want to be with you. And so... He went even further, and he came in Jesus, in man again. And once again, just like the beginning, we got to walk and talk alongside of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting there in that time, looking, looking into the eyes of, your, of God, Jesus, and listening to him tell, tell you how much he loves you, and that he wants you, and holding your hand. and Can you imagine that? But what do we do? We spit in his face. And we kicked him away. And then we hung him on a cross. We got rid of him. So now, God knew that was going to happen. It's like I've been there, done that once. You know what? Still not good enough. Still not good enough. So as we're going to see in Acts 2... God said, no, I'm going to raise him up, and then I'm going to lift him up, and then I'm going to put him in you. And that, my friends, was the Holy Spirit, the gift that we have today. Inside of us, who we are, our being. Funny story, what I mean by inside of us is I have a little bit of my grandmother inside of me. And um, she passed away, and I was very young, and she wanted her ashes spread over the harbor in Long Beach. And my dad was a private pilot. I had his private pilot's license. And uh, so we went up in a little Cessna with my uncle and my cousin. And I'm in the back seat. And we're tooting along. And they're trying to get the urn open. <laughs> and my uncle breaks the knife trying to get the urn open. And there's a bag. <laughs> Grandma. And um, <laughs> my dad, there's only one window. It's a little like tweaker window. 
And uh, um, my dad says, okay, just hold on to the controls and, I'll, and I got the window on my side to dump it out. And my uncle was like, no, no, not happening. And it wasn't even like I had to fly the plane, but you can see this kind of going back and forth, like nah, uh, 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 back and forth. So finally I see this thing happening up there as he's trying to like lay and lean over my dad as he's flying a plane over the ocean to dump, or that sounds bad, but to pour grandma, <laughs> to pour grandma out of the plane. <laughs> and this isn't how you're supposed to do these things. We learned later that you're supposed to use like this telescoping pole that like sucks it out. So he starts to try to dump and grandma, because of the vacuum effect, starts swirling around and it's like it's sucked all in. She is not going out of the plane and all of a sudden you cannot see and it's like <laughs> What is that? What is that? I'm looking at my cousin recovering and it's like Pah. Now we're like all over the place because my dad came and see through the fog in the plane and we're like ah! <laughs> My dad had to open up the door to try to get the grandma to go out. <laughs> And Grandma, my friends, is in me forever. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I mean by. That's what I mean by in me. God has put it, whether we want it or not, His Holy Spirit in us, and we carry it around wherever we go. We see it in Acts two. Basically, if you just kind of turn the page over from where we were in John, you'll see that it says. Acts 2 it says when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them just before that as Jesus is getting ready to ascend in heaven, he previews this because he knows it's still not enough for them to move from their locked door. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for me, excuse me, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There it is, guys. Look what happened 40 verses into chapter 2. Peter went from behind a locked door to now speaking with the power and boldness of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 came to Christ that day. The Spirit moved in him which moved in other people from fear to faith. We may not even be here today if that weren't for the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk to you about what the Holy Spirit might be calling you as an individual and even us collectively as the church. What might be he be calling us to do? In what ways might he be moving us today? So before we talk about this, I want to make very clear that this isn't a do more message. That if you do this, God will love you more. You can choose today to not listen to the Spirit, to shut him out, and God will love you the same as he does right now. I uh, moved out to California six months ago. I lived here uh, seven years ago in Southern California. I got to tell you that one of my favorite things about California 
is the theme parks. And specifically, Disneyland. I love Disneyland. It's awesome. You know what happens at Disneyland? You park and they give you a ride because they don't want you to get tired. (laughs) And you ride in a tram or a shuttle and you have friendly Disneyland people that explain to you the Chippendale parking lot is on your left and Pinocchio is coming up on your right. It's very friendly. We're moving. It's exciting. And I remember I was riding one day into Disneyland, excited. And there's a little boy next to me, all giddy. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I'm with you, brother. We're going to get there. It's going to be awesome. Oh, man, I'm excited. And he looks at me and goes, this is my favorite part. And I was like, huh, something's wrong with you. <laughs> Son, do you not understand that when we pull up to those gates... There are teacups. And if the teacups don't go fast enough, you can spin them around to make them go faster. There is, oh, there is a place called Space Mountain, a roller coaster in the dark. You don't even know this is your favorite part. There are churros <laughs> that need to be eaten. There are frozen Chocolate-dipped bananas. There are mountains galore, my friends. Splash Mountain, Space Mountain, every mountain you can think of, and it is awesome. And this, this is your favorite part. Man. I think, for us, a lot of us, that depicts our life with God, with the Holy Spirit. So many of us have become content with riding the shuttle. And the shuttle's cool. It moves. You got a friendly cast member. You're going somewhere. You're not just stagnant. But I think for some of us, our Christian lives have boiled down to just going to church on Sunday. And maybe camp once a year. And maybe, maybe even I'll join a community group. Crazy. (laughs) And I think God is saying, Hello? I built you a Disneyland. There is so much more for you to experience. There's so much more that I want to show you. And yet you've settled for the shuttle. You settle for the life behind a locked door. You've allowed excuses to keep you in. God this morning is saying there is more. And because of the Holy Spirit... I want to move you to experience the more that is there. God's not going to love you any more or any less, depending on if you stay in the shuttle or you go experience the teacups. But what he wants you to understand is that there, friends, is more. Clearly, we have our excuses. We have our own reasons why not to move, and they are good. The shuttle is good. About three years ago, I came face to face with all of my excuses. Last week, I talked about my son Malachi, whom we adopted from Ethiopia. And before these whispers began, my heart, my mind, and through the spirit, I started to ask myself a question. Do I really want to know God's will for my life? If you've grown up in church or you're in church, you know, the answer is always, well, yeah. 
Absolutely. Really? Because what if God's will costs you everything? What if it costs you your job, your dreams, your friends? What if it costs you your family? What if it even costs you your life? Do you still want to know what God's will for your life is? Or are we just content with really not caring and getting to heaven and saying, (laughs) you wanted me to do that? Really? Interesting, because I was really comfortable doing this. When I started getting convicted about, I started asking myself this question. I was saying to myself, I, I need to be a leader. I cannot lead people where I haven't been. I can't ask questions of others that I haven't asked myself. And God's spirit started to move in me and said that his will for my life was to adopt a little boy from Ethiopia into our family. See, when the spirit moves, church, believe me, you, it will be uncomfortable. Otherwise, we wouldn't need him. It'll be something that you never in your right mind would come up with. You'd never just volunteer to do it. Otherwise, you could just do it on your own strength and you wouldn't need him. I needed the Holy Spirit desperately on this journey of adoption. And last week, you got to hear story after story about how I had to lean on him, and he came through in a miraculous way with power and boldness. I would have never adopted on my own. But Malachi changed my life, and I'm so grateful for the experience that God gave me. So today I want to ask you, what is your Malachi? What's your Malachi? Which is kind of cool and funny and interesting. The name and the word Malachi means message from God. What's your message from God? What's the thing that you know God's calling you to do? The Spirit is speaking to you to do. What's it that you've ignored? pushed away, that you validated your excuses, that your excuse is good enough. What is it? Maybe for some of you, it's going home and humbling yourself and asking someone to forgive you. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in that you know is not honoring God and it needs to stop. Maybe it's befriending that person at work that no one talks to including you. Maybe sharing your story, your story with someone on your street. Maybe asking someone if need, if they need a helping hand. Maybe it's even further. Maybe this Nichols Fernet's thing has stirred something in you and it's not okay just like doing a big push for it, but maybe, maybe God wants you to go to Africa in April and give out the nets. Maybe... Maybe for you, it's some other major sacrifice. You know, man, God, I can't get this up. And you start saying, stop it. What's your Malachi today? And you can be like the girl in the video, and you can just decide not to listen. 
You can totally just decide not to listen. In, in uh, Jeremiah 7.13, it says this. While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, doing all these things, pursuing popularity, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, your own dreams, job, promotions, while you were doing your own things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. See, God speaks. It's our job to listen. So why aren't we listening? We have a lot of explain to do, church, as to why in the world we would allow excuses to keep us behind locked doors. When the Holy Spirit speaks, we go, we move, we act. But yet we still have excuses. But Larry, I don't want to risk my reputation. But Larry, I'm like, I'm like really cool. But Larry, I want to be like the cool mom or the cool dad. Or Larry, I just, I just don't, I like the shuttles good. When the Holy Spirit came into the disciples' lives, they were never the same again. Most of them were killed. You never see them like checking out and saying, today that person does not need to know who I really am. Or today that person is seeing who I really am. What might the Holy Spirit be calling you to do in your life, your church, your workplace, your family? Do you really want to know? Do you really want to? God is saying, believe me, I have all this under control. I want to use you that you can make a difference. The more you trust him, the more you're going to move. The more you move, the more transformed the world will be. Guys, we could change this community. We could change Benicia. We could change this world through the power and the boldness of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit calling you to do? Ask yourself that. Ask your family that. It'll rock your world. Pray with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.